0: Hey, John. Oh
1: man. What's wrong? Uh, it must have been something I ate. My stomach really hurts.
0: Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, we ate at the same place. I, I don't think... Yeah. I mean, I feel a little different. I feel funny, but no pain. Really? Where, where, where does it hurt? It
1: hurts just in my stomach. Where, where does... How, what's different for you? Well, it's like...
0: I can smell things. Like, I have this... Weird feeling, like I know that there are truffles in your yard. I know what? there are truffles there. Yes, I can. I can smell the truffles. And wait, what did you eat? I it was salami. It was an Italian sandwich. Wait, what did s- you eat?
1: I ate chicken salad. Chicken salad. Hey, you know that legend of the Wendigo? Yeah. Where when you consume the flesh of another being, you uh, you uh, steal its powers. Oh, so, so wait, did you steal pig powers?
0: Ah, uh, that would be awesome.
1: And mud <laughs> sounds
0: great right now.
1: Oh, then what does that mean that I have? What's your. <coughs> oh. oh. John,
0: what is that?
1: Uh, I think that's an egg. Ew. Okay. I think so, um, but I mean, on the bright side, I have uh, breakfast every morning. Omelettes, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Sounds good. You. Welcome to the Terror Test. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And as fans of horror, our goal is to weigh the merits of films based on three categories, production, monster quality, and scare factor, to decide whether to admit them into our sacred
1: horror canon. And this podcast will put horror movies to the test to determine what to watch next what's worth revisiting, and what to recommend to the uninitiated. Number two pencils ready? And begin.
0: Ew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are we getting into today? We're wrapping up the 90s.
1: Yes, it is the end of the 90s. Um, so we're going to um, watch two movies. Uh, one, uh, we're going back to the early 90s with Jacob's Ladder, and then we're jumping... To the very, very end of the '90s with *Ravenous*, um, and so both period pieces in a way.
0: I mean, we've got yeah. Vietnam
1: and both um, are, in ways, about the horrors of war, mm. but they're very different takes on it. Mm. And so, yeah, that's something that we'll have to explore further. Um, so we'll start with *Jacob's Ladder*, uh, which was released in 1990. Directed by Adrian line, written by Bruce Joel Rubin, starring Tim Robbins as Jacob, Elizabeth Pena as Jesse, and a whole slew of yeah. 90s, young 90s stars. Yes.
0: Star-studded cast. Yeah. yeah. Who do we
1: have? We got Macaulay Culkin, <laughs> we have Jason Alexander, uh, Ving Rhames... Who is Dean Rames
0: the chiropractor? Or who's the chiropractor guy? Danny
1: Ayello Iello. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's a, he's been in a ton of stuff. Eric LaSalle from ER mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. in there. Just I mean, a who's who of <laughs> early nineties stars. Yeah. Um, so let's get into production.
0: Okay, so production, we're looking to see if the film is timeless in the power and effectiveness of its writing, direction, acting, cinematography, special effects, iconography, and portrayal of its subject
1: matter. So, what's its subject matter? What's it about? This, this movie was new for you, right? Yeah, it was new for me. So, the movie is kind of known for its ending, mm-hmm. like having a movie having a, a Jacob's Ladder type ending. Um, did, did you see it coming?
0: Uh, I kind of felt that it was coming. I mean, I think the flash forwards, flashbacks, mm-hmm. the sort of, uh, if you want to call it a dream sequence, whatever starts to make more sense by the end because since they become more defined of which world is which, mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was headed in that direction. Yeah. I, I can't say that I expected it, him to like be on the table like it is. At yeah. the end. Um, which actually I mean, I guess let's go ahead and talk about the ending. What's your interpretation of it? So did he I, I've like I read a couple of different uh things about the ending. Did he actually die on the table and it's sort of his mind just projected what he thought was gonna be the future? Um
1: Yeah, or, that's how I read it.
0: That's how you read it? Or did he actually like, experience those in, like, sort of, like, alternate universes, and then we're just seeing one possibility? Or was he really fighting for his soul? Like, why is he fighting for his life? Like, was that really, as the chiropractor sort of explains, like, was his soul being, like, torn down, torn apart in order to ascend?
1: Um, I think that is the kind of thing that's left open to interpretation, but... I mean I we definitely know that like the whatever um I don't know medicine or bio or chemical weapon or whatever that was used on them like had an effect on his reality. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And then it I mean he he ended up dying and I think all of that was like end of life fantasy um, because I mean, he's of the substance. He's you know living with the girl at work that he had a crush on, you right. know, um, and she, even her name is Jezebel. Jezebel. Yeah, like
0: it. Well, it's all biblical names. So yeah, like...
1: it it all feels like it's unreal. Like everything after the war. Oh, okay. Like, everything before the war, I think, really happened. And brutal. so, it's a mixture of, like, actual flashbacks and then uh, fantasy. Yeah.
0: But it, it is it possible that the fantasy is the, like, being dosed part of it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, or do you think he was actually dosed? It has, like, at the very, very end, it has that text about, like, that actually happening. Or at least there's some reports. I didn't have time to totally go into it, but I wanted to see what documentation there was on sort of um, using the I mean,
1: it's an interesting story. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of, you know, but it's like an urban legend. It's believable enough that you could kind of see it happening. It's somewhat plausible, but then it's also like, you know, it's. Did it really happen?
0: So as a conspiracy so, theory, is it one that you go down? Like, do you think?
1: I mean, it's not one that it's not a hill I'm gonna die on, but <laughs> I mean Do you think it's some sure, possible? I'm, I'm I'm sure that, you know, some kind of testing has been done oh, you know, at some point or another. I to don't make better soldiers. I, I don't think that it would ever be um, experimented on like that way because it's dangerous it's like such a stupid idea yeah. yeah to like have them completely unaware of what's happening um no that wasn't a good idea at all that's a really really bad idea. so
0: then do you think because that's the other thing so is all that friendly fire stuff did that actually happen
1: yeah okay i believe so okay and that's how he got shot yeah because even at the beginning, um, you you never see the enemy, right? They just right. all start acting really strangely, mm-hmm. and then it's like they're coming from the trees or whatever. Yeah. And so um, the enemy was always imagined. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think I'm on the side. I do think the reading of the ending is he is really battling for his soul um whether literally or metaphorically that doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. but it's it's a battle for his soul
1: so what other movies have we done where you think that it could have been like a jacob's Jacob's ladder scenario
0: what where it's like oh it was all
1: a dream or Uh, like he it's it's all like the last moments of his life friday the 13th or friday the 13th nightmare on elm street the first one like what nancy really died yeah okay so it's I mean,
0: like they want to you know how much is a dream how much is reality mm-hmm. uh maybe it wasn't intentional but maybe they wanted it to be mm-hmm. an ending like that remember we heard um robert england yeah kind of mentioned that so weird. yeah uh so yeah so i'm gonna say uh nightmare on elm street uh what's another one where it's oh it's all a
1: dream um yeah I don't know I'm kind of looking back through um we got cut this is like yeah. too much dead air yeah um
0: I don't know <laughs> yeah this is the first one I get to go. uh phantasm kind of
1: okay uh the fly he just he died in the teleporter
0: yeah yeah so it's definitely i mean and we know too like teaching writing it's that it's a cliche that we try to get students away from as well that um it was all a dream
1: but i think it's it's the point here
0: yes i there's there's like it
1: didn't feel like an easy way out. It felt like that's where they're working from, and so let's work backwards to make mm-hmm. it make sense
0: well and I feel like as a statement about um trauma mm-hmm. and um the tr- the the impact that war has on the the individual your humanity in person mm-hmm. it makes for a better statement that this all happens within i don't know however long he's on the table mm-hmm. um getting worked on before he died. Um, it reminds me even of that um, that Black Mirror episode where they're testing the um, psychoactive substance oh, on the person. Yeah. And then it ends up that it's like 1.3 seconds is how long it right. was. There you go. There's another Jacob's ladder type ending. That's perfect... Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like that. I think that's scary that... I it guess it's it saying that the relativity of time scares mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yeah. You feel like something can last forever. You could be in so much... Pain, um mm-hmm. for what feels like such a long time, but it's actually a very short time. That's
1: yeah, well it's like it, it's an interesting thought experiment because you know it makes you question your reality and how you are experiencing time and your life. You know, does your life flash before your eyes? Yeah. Um and if so, do you know? And which version yeah, which version do you get? Do you get that idyllic yeah. sort of
0: like happy homemaker version or do you get like the dirty version
1: seeing demons on the bus yes you know or
0: (laughs) or going to a demon rave yeah oh my gosh i i don't know when there's the right time to talk about this is there any right time to talk about like the demon dance was frightening (laughs) yeah frightening
1: it scared me yeah there's a lot of really strange imagery is this the first time that we see the effect where like someone's head is in fast forward um i don't i don't think it's it's not original
0: to this movie but it's definitely a 90s early 2000s trope for
1: sure yeah but since this is 1990 it just it feels like an early use of that do you feel like it's the first um if it's not the first then i think it it's one that perhaps popularized it because i mean it's in so many music videos. Yeah.
0: Um, nothing's really coming up. I uh, will have to look into that. I don't know what the earliest version of that is. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we saw even instances of that kind of like film technique. Um, in the, I would say the 30s or 40s, and not that it's to, to that level, but I think some of that sort of stillness, that jerkiness, yeah, is maybe where part of that's coming from.
1: Hmm. Yeah, but it, I mean, I think it's used effectively here. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel. No, it doesn't feel hokey. Right.
0: Um. But in terms of other effects what about um
1: the score the soundtrack I feel like it was good it didn't really stand out to me much Mm-mm. not
0: not as much as it does to me for ravenous yeah I feel like it has a little bit more of an impact
1: yeah um, what about the Oh um so the writer Bruce Joel Rubin mm-hmm. uh he wrote another movie that came out this same year. Do you know what movie that was? Mm-hmm. Ghost. Oh no, I did read that on there. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> I think there are like some really similar moments yeah, in there that are. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like yeah. there's one scene where like you know he's anything? on the subway and then there's like another ghost on the subway and like only yes, he can see the other yes. ghost. And so you, you have some of that like similarity between the two. So it's just funny that they were released the same year.
0: Yeah, and it has sort of that good angel, demon like being um, yanked in both directions. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like I don't, don't want to say a morality tale, but almost yeah. um, being pulled in that direction. Um, cinematography kind of bringing it back to production. I think it's a well-made movie, well shot movie. Like I said, we had
1: star-studded cast. Yeah, and it was all well-performed. I mean, I, I really liked uh Tim Robbins as the lead. Um It maybe would have... Well, so here's the thing. Like, I think it would have helped a little to be able to distinguish time if he had perhaps, like, aged some, kind of like in Slaughterhouse-Five. However, since it's, all, like kind of that. all in the split second before he dies or whatever then you know it makes sense that he wouldn't mm-hmm. but it's just something that it just adds to the confusion and and I guess that's a part of it but um you know it is uh disorienting
0: yeah I, yeah I think you don't want to be able to pen it down until the end like, like I said near the end of the movie it becomes more distinct and I was do you feel like you're able to tell which sort of sure segment each one is by the uh near the end mm-hmm. but like after he has the psychotic episode oh my gosh and maybe this is a scare factor but when he's making the trip inside the asylum yeah that part is so freaky where there's people climbing around like cages above mm-hmm. them there's um all the gore everywhere mm-hmm. oh man that's fantastic yeah um special effects um the gore is really good sure throughout uh, you know kind of minimal special effects but the near the end and maybe even like again the demon dance <laughs> got a little, mm-hmm. some demon props so I, i'm inclined to give it a point i mean i feel like it ticks all the boxes in terms of production i feel like maybe the ending only becomes cliche after this point yeah you know i've tried to imitate this story
1: yeah again i feel like it it feels earned here and so i'm inclined to give it a point as yeah. well
0: um, what about monster quality? The film's monsters are frightening, clearly relate to archetypal fears and have depth.
1: There are layers here, which is what I like. It It is kind of like or a horror Or maybe tape. there
0: are steps. <laughs> yeah. Like on a ladder. Uh-huh. Uh,
1: it's kind of like a horror version of Slaughterhouse-Five in a way. It's exactly what I wrote down. It
0: reminded me of Slaughterhouse-Five, The Trial. Coffee Goes the Trial. Oh. It reminded me of that a lot. Um... And again, we have the the post office show up.
1: Yes. Did you the did disgruntled you postal worker? Yeah. <laughs> right again. Yeah. And he's a vet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is definitely a '90s trope. Um,
0: I wasn't. Yeah, that I wasn't expecting.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. So. So I think uh, PTSD. You know the effect that war has on the mind, um, and that's only. Um, you know. Added by the government testing psychological drugs um, on soldiers. So we have like the government as kind of devilish figure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have, you know, our perception of reality. What's real, what's not.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's one of the scarier monsters for me in this is the ability or inability to distinguish reality mm-hmm. um, but asking us, the audience how do we know what is real and when it's real mm-hmm. um, and it felt very authentic in this movie um, in a couple of conversations that I've had with either like wives of veterans or veterans themselves they've described uh, sort of this trauma in that way as that they will literally hear or see um, those flashes of the past, mm. um, and triggers are different for everybody, but, um, it just felt the portrayal of it in this movie as a monster, how, how it like creeps up on him even mm-hmm. it like felt at very, the party. felt yeah. very authentic.
1: Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. And then we also have the idea about like demons holding on to the past, whereas mm-hmm. angels guide you away from the past. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, which I think is interesting, yeah he it, it's like all of his traumas are
0: mixed in too. He's haunted by you know things that happened in the war um, as well as the death of his son. He's got those sort of compounded mm-hmm. working against him
1: yeah. throughout. I mean, it kind of goes with the common association of ghosts where it's like, you know, there's something unresolved, something that still needs to be done or worked out Mm -hmm. um, before you can ascend, you know. Yeah, and I think
0: that... What I was trying to piece together with this movie that was difficult, so the story of Jacob's Ladder, where it appears in the Bible, Jacob is pretty much... Like a prophet, he's visited and told how to like move up and down the ladder, right? Um, and one of the monsters that it tells about is like this it's like a seven faced or 27 faced like demon, and that's what I thought was interesting about all the people and characters he meets. It's like those are the faces of the Mm. demons that are haunting you. So, I think it, you know, obviously the title is inspired by that story but I think it goes beyond that I mean it's very intentional how it lines up mm-hmm. so I think in terms of depth um, hitting archetypes it again checks all the boxes for me
1: yeah and you know it's interesting because if you know the idea of angels is, is to let go like mm. I mean part Three of the soul. problem is like you know doesn't get to resolve things in his life because he just dies in a war and that sucks. Yeah.
0: He just has to let it go. Yeah. And death is the only way that he's free at the end.
1: Yeah. But yeah,
0: that's, that's maybe, that's part of for scare factor for me is that, okay, yes, it's this movie's about trauma, but it's also a meditation on death itself and the idea at the end, you, you have to lose to win? Like, that, yeah that frightens me
1: yeah yeah getting that deep into it is um kind of gazing into the abyss a little bit like you're really contemplating things that are uncomfortable yeah
0: and that i think maybe you're a little discombobulated and uncomfortable in a different way in the beginning of the movie because of the the pacing Mm -hmm. and the structure of the narrative but by the end, once all those pieces tie into place, then you're uncomfortable for other
1: reasons. That's true. I hadn't thought about it like that before. I was kind of iffy on whether or not this would earn a point on Scare Factor. I mean, it definitely does for monster quality. So
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, a point.
1: so move on to Scare Factor. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting. It does... The Scare Factor changes in what it is. Like, what okay. makes it scary? You... Yeah, kind of can't help but contemplate your own mortality by the end. Yeah. Um. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, it was, well, it does but that it, in, a well, it in a way. it wasn't
0: a way that it was enjoyable. I'm not saying it's not. Enjoyable. No,
1: it, it was effective yeah. because, you know, we watch a lot of movies where characters die, but, like, do they make us question our own mortality? Not really, for the most part, not in this way maybe maybe not in the 90s but like yeah you mean demon knight didn't like really make you contemplate
0: no just make me check over my shoulder more often i guess (laughs) yeah see if there's anybody Uh (laughs) uh-huh and billy zane's behind me i'm gonna get a little freaked
1: out watch out for billy (laughs) um yeah, so I don't know. What do you think about Scare Factory? Like,
0: I'm inclined, or... you know. I was I was also on the fence with it, but after talking through it a little bit, I'm inclined to give it a point. I think it it has that sustained, let's call it suspense, scariness. Mm-hmm. I think it, throughout the whole movie. I even I even watched this. Uh, I watched this in two different settings too. In that that didn't ruin the pacing for me. I watched yeah. like the last half an hour, maybe mm-hmm. uh, like a day after I started it.
1: Yeah, and one thing I like about it is that it is a rewarding rewatch. Like, it's because of the way that the story is played out, uh, even knowing the ending, it's still like, there are things to get Mm -hmm. on the Mm rewatch. And so, yeah, I I was engaged. And yeah, the strange imagery at the beginning just creates some suspense and it's a different kind of scare. Like I could see like the uninitiated watching this and be like, Well, it wasn't really scary, but like like we said, it's a different kind of scare. One mm-hmm. that's more like existential, that I think is rare um among the movies that we watch, but is I think it's a sign of, just of a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's just it's not as visceral.
0: Right. How fun would it be to use this as a companion piece with Slaughterhouse-Five? Oh, it would be great. I mean, I'm not
1: showing Jacob's Ladder in high school. I don't think that's going to no. happen. But. Yeah. Even the movie version of Slaughterhouse-Five would have to have some parts. Uh, uh, yeah, censored. no,
0: I don't show that either. I've even told kids, that I was like, no, too many nakey parts.
1: The book itself, though, is great. It's a great one to teach. Yeah. Well, all right, Jacob's Ladder is in the canon. Cool. Let's talk about the next one. Um, this uh, is called Ravenous, and it was released in 1999, directed by Antonia Bird, written by Ted Griffin, starring Guy Pearce as Captain John Boyd, Robert Carlyle as Colonel Ives and Calhoun, uh, David Arquette as Cleves, Jeremy <laughs> Davies as Toffler, Jeffrey Jones as Hart, McDonough is Reich. Um, what do we think about production? Well, for production, first of all,
0: since um David Arquette is in the movie, it's an official 90s movie. Yeah. Even though <laughs> his character is just <laughs> He's out
1: there. I mean, this is like full Arquette. Like Yeah. yeah. It's it, it it's like out in the wild, this, I truly believe that this is what David Arquette is like. <laughs> 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 just smoking
0: opium in a teepee?
1: <laughs> like, yeah, just weird. Yeah, Just a totally weird guy. I mean, he's he's really likable in Scream. And so, like, I, I like David yeah. Arquette. But, um, he's goofy and quirky, but... I think it, it works for his type of goofiness. Yeah. I think this this character for him. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, there's a lot of goofiness, especially near the beginning. Um, it, feels like I said, a it oh, can be. It, it, I was really questioning, like a minute into this movie, like, yeah, what did we get ourselves into? Because every title, <laughs> as the opening credits are playing, <laughs> has a swoosh effect, and man, it dates the movie so poorly.
0: Yeah, which I think is a real disservice, because the rest of the movie, um, I don't know if it necessarily reads as 90s, other than having David Arquette in it. But
1: No, and that's, I mean, even I think the opening of the shot of the American flag waving, mm-hmm. like, is so good, because it's telling us, this is America, mm-hmm. you know, this is what our country was founded on, um, and thematically it makes so much sense but yeah some of the opening i can see how some of the opening campiness um and humor might turn some people off i know when i first watched this movie like when i was in high school i did not know what to make of it Mm -hmm. um but i have to say now this movie rocks it's fun
0: and i think it crosses you know what it it crosses a line in terms of uh, genre which i think could bring sort of like uninitiated to it right so people who are a fan of like war films or um kind of period pieces i think would like this movie too yeah even though it is a monster movie
1: yeah um so there's it's the yeah the genre blending is is really strong in this one mm-hmm. it's um yeah you have the historical aspect to it you have the survivalist aspect mm-hmm. to it uh, you have the horror you have the comedy um.
0: that's the yeah we have this band of misfits yeah <laughs> the the first uh, dinner table scene is mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie when you get introduced to all the yeah. characters and it's uh, um what's the um the guy who's the warrior
1: Neil McDonough yeah. is yeah. the actor he's just in, in the water. <laughs> It's the best it does cutaway, your, and,
0: you, and you have those cutaways for and you know, all of the characters. You know
1: exactly who they are. Yep, they're all and an why archetype. they're and why they've been banished to yes. this fort in the wilderness. And so it works; it works really well. Yep. Um, and then it's kind of disarming when you get to like the really disturbing stuff. When the movie kind of takes one of its many turns. Yes.
0: Well, and and it goes down uh, after the beginning. We just kind of go down this tunnel of shame, almost that can come with the things you have to do to survive. Um, And I would extend that beyond, and maybe this is getting into monster quality, but I would extend it beyond um, sort of the cannibalism part, right? Is that during times of war, we have to do shameful things to survive, or Mm -hmm. soldiers have to do shameful things to survive. And it can be oftentimes ostracized. They can be ostracized or rejected for those things. Mm -hmm. When... Their reason for doing them were were good in the first place. So I'm thinking about like his survival, like how he yeah he he gets outcast for winning that battle.
1: Yeah, but he did it because he was a coward. What does that? No, no, that, that's what's that, interesting. Yeah, like because you know it starts with him it's you dishonorable, know, having but he, you know getting awarded, yeah, and having this big meal in his honor. Oh my god! Um, oh, that
0: the part's so gross.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so which gross. Is, which is great because then yeah we see like okay what he did wasn't honorable, but it's that selfish. that's the way that our military operates. Like yeah, you get you can get rewarded for that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and it's the only place you can be rewarded for that kind of thing. And yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think and that's in the first what like fifteen minutes of the movie. Yeah, this stuff happens. Yeah. And, so much happens, and I, yeah, that oh gosh, yeah, that scene where they're just eating the the steaks, um, and that's fine. I I love a good steak. That's that's mm-hmm. not it.
1: It's just the no. It's unsettling in the way that like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is yes. unsettling in that like we are meat. You yes, know? um, and so reminding us of that is it's just it makes us uncomfortable.
0: Well, and just I love the. Uh, the setup of that scene too, it's its meant to look sort of like fancy and refined, mm-hmm. right? We're eating on like white tablecloths with plates mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then it snaps back into reality. It's like, these are soldiers. They're starving. They're going to eat that faster than yeah. you can blink.
1: It's, yeah, it's disgusting. I like that. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, once the, the initial setup is established, we then get... A pretty predictable, um, you know, story about them going to the cavern and then like the betrayal, yeah, um, and all of that. And that ha- only happens like, you know, in the first third of the movie or so. Right. Um, then we get like this whole other part to it, which is also really interesting. And so I love the pacing of the movie and that how it is constantly surprising you.
0: Yeah, that's why I want to give it a point for production is because just when I thought the movie was ending and I was going to feel disappointed, it kept the story going. It helped it. And it wasn't like it didn't feel over the top or forced. It's like you genuinely wanted to know, like, how is this going to go down um, with these confrontations? And it's not just like it's not just our protagonist swooping in to kill the bad guys. Mm -hmm. They have some real conversations about this. And they're planning to build an army of Wendigos. Yeah. Well, and so,
1: like, yeah. So so he ends up eating um, Neil McDonough's character um, for survival. becomes Wendigo.
0: Yeah. So he can use his power to... for good.
1: Well, that's what he's struggling with the whole time. And by the end, I'm, I was really he... like, is, is he going to eat? Do
0: you, th- do you think he makes the he makes a decision? Like, his decision is unmade until that last moment in the bear trap.
1: Yeah, I think he. I think there's doubt until that moment. Yeah, I agree. Which which makes it great,
0: which I think is uh, attributed to uh, the, the acting.
1: Yeah. I think I, the
0: acting. I think there's powerhouses in this movie. Yeah.
1: Um. I read that originally the final battle was gonna be much more elaborate, but then they decided that they just wanted to have these two characters just stabbing each, each other. <laughs> <laughs> To death. And so, I I mean, I love, you know, um, pushing him onto the the huge trap. And he he says, "Ah, that was sneaky. And then Mm -hmm. there is that situation where it's like, the only way that either of them will survive is if they eat each other. And then, yeah, Boyd chooses not to. Yeah. However, we know that it's going to continue with the colonel or whatever who comes and and tries to stew. In the end of this
0: movie too, when they're sort of like trying to figure out who the Windigo is, mm-hmm. right? And then it's the reveal that it's that um, what whoever was it, the captain or
1: uh, yeah, Colonel Hart, Jeffrey Jones, Colonel, is, yeah.
0: Um, is that a lot of that felt like the thing to me? Yeah, they're isolated. They're mm-hmm. trying to figure out who is the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's driven by sort of like bloodlust yeah. in a way. Um, it's sort of an infection, you could say, like this, but it's an, an infection of ideology, like mm-hmm. not valuing the the human body mm-hmm. like more than the meat that it is. Yeah. Um, and I really, I thought that was clever. I really liked how that, again, like you were saying, how it kept going and telling more of the story that we want to hear, and then we get to the ending where it's the Native American woman. She's just like, forget
1: this, and she I'm just out. walks
0: out. She leaves. And that's it. She's like, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I, I love how she's... She totally knew. You know, this character that says very little, but we can see through her expression and through her actions. Like, she knows what's going on, like, this entire time. And she's the survivor. Yeah.
0: Not it's, in, like, the final final girl sense. No. Um,
1: she just knows better. Yeah.
0: She keeps her wits about her, and she survives. Yeah. She knows that, that a Wendigo is real. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's <laughs> great.
0: Yeah. I think this is our first Wendigo movie. It is our first Wendigo movie and I are there Wendigo movies before this. That's another thing I liked about this movie. I guess we could chalk this up to production and monster quality is that um it's sort of it gives and builds the mythology of the Wendigo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does a really great job because it's it's not the most um popular monster but it is a very American monster and Mm -hmm. I feel like when you're talking about or or when you're making a movie about this very American monster you have to kind of make it about America and so this you know Mm -hmm. the whole manifest destiny part is like just part of the DNA in this
0: movie yeah we're talking about monster quality are you going to give it a point for production yeah so I think another thing, like you said, I, I agree. It's nice to see this portrayal of like a uniquely American monster. However, I feel like it does bo- uh, borrow from other monster movies. I mean, the conversation he has at the end about, like, do you want this power? All you have to do is sort of, like, drink or eat the stew or whatever. Mm. It, was, it felt very like Dracula, very Interview of the Vampire to me. You know, he's trying to bring him over to the other side, live forever, have great power, be beautiful for all yeah. time.
1: Well what I loved about it was the comment um that someone made, um, how it's like you no, know, yeah, you practice cannibalism every Sunday when you eat the body of mm-hmm. Christ. And so like that um that rite is is so normalized in our society that it's not questioned. Um however actual cannibalism you know which leads to the windigo that is like what is seen as horrific and so like that line is just so blurry and it's really interesting and so i think that's what boyd struggles with um once he gains the power of the windigo Mm -hmm. um Like, he struggles with the morality of it, and that's that's
0: what I loved about it. And I feel like that could be, uh, is a pretty accurate metaphor, too, for soldiers returning to civilian life. So, even though he's still in a fort, Mm -hmm. they're basically, I mean, it's basically civilian life, what they're doing within that fort, right? Even though he's been banished. And his return to that is very difficult. It's like the things that he had to do to survive previously... Um, don't work here anymore. At least in he, the beginning, and then he has to sort of revert.
1: I mean, he, the only reason he's alive is because he found that, like, deep, primal mm-hmm. um, bloodlust, mm-hmm. which caught, which was able to, like, encourage him to, like, get out of that pile of corpses to, you know, take on the enemy soldiers and win the battle. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was rewarded for. That's why he's still alive. And so by the end, he, yeah, he has to question that. Like, I could go back to that and live, um, or I could reject what I've done and die. And and I love that. I love how we have a character who, who rejects that. And, you know, there is another way. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you know, despite his, you know, stance, it's still... This is still America. The next guy is going to come mm-hmm. and, you know, make the same mistakes.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're basically, like, setting up a mini mall for cannibals Yeah, <laughs> in the middle. They're like, what did they say? Like, tens of thousands of frontiersmen right. will be walking through. And it's, through. you
1: know, settlers, you know, consumed the natural resources right. mm-hmm. and Native American tribes. And then, like, you know, you could say that, you know, capitalism is all it's about consumption. consumption it's yeah. like that it's like the foundation of america is this idea of consuming one another mm-hmm. um and the, this movie just it gets that across so well it
0: does and even though it is a little it has i'm not even going to say goofy it's not it it has humor in parts um its message is still horrific
1: yeah and i think it's effective and and i i i like how um in a lesser movie, like, the final fight might have been, like, you know, if this was made today, like, Robert Carlyle would have, like, transformed into this big CGI monstrosity. The, uh, and then, you know, at the very end, Guy Pierce would have turned into, like, a, an equally CGI monstrosity. And they would, and like, like, destroy like, the camp or something, throwing yeah. each other into walls, yeah. And and you never see a windigo, and so like you can also read it as like this is just all like them. Yeah,
0: they're almost they're buying into the mythology. Yeah, I mean, apart from you know where he gets like shot, and you know he seems to not be affected. Right, I
1: mean, you get like you know there is that supernatural stuff, but like I like how this is a very man-made monster
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i'm i i I was worried about that since i knew i think i knew that this movie was about the wendigo before i started it um so i was anticipating sort of like a werewolf transformation thing and i was glad that there wasn't
1: yeah like in the marvel universe um the wendigo it's it's like this canadian monster and anytime superheroes go to canada they fight the wendigo and it, it's a person who just transforms, like, a hulk into, like, this white shaggy beast mm. or something. And mm-hmm. so there are, like, versions of the Windigo where it That's is, like, yeah, a clear monster. But I like, yeah, I like in this one how it's, it's on. Because it's, yeah, it's scarier that way.
0: So I, I want to give it a point for Monster Quality. I, I am, too. So what about Scare Factor, then? Um, I think the movie's good. I think it's entertaining. I don't know if by the end if
1: it's scary has scary moments um has gross moments yes um yeah but from beginning to end i i don't know even with movies that you know start with some comedy and you know that we've added to the canon we've we've talked about like you know how the comedy can be used as a way to like get us further invested in characters or uh-huh. whatever, or it could be disarming or whatever, but I don't think it's quite successful here in, um, in mm-hmm. leading to scares and it just, it's not the kind of, I mean, it's not that kind of movie. I
0: just don't think, yeah, I don't think that was its intent. I think it's driven by story, but it doesn't necessarily have the intent Scare all the way. I like think it wants to make you scary. Think. Mo- yeah, uh, I mean it has scary moments, and I will always cringe at like bones protruding mm-hmm. from skin, like broken bones when yeah. he's like in the pit. Um, that was cringe worthy. Uh, there is a lot of blood and stuff, but you know, beginning to end, as a scare, it doesn't it doesn't feel that way. No, but I still like it.
1: Yeah, I think this belongs in honorable mention. I think so too, um, because this is one that, I mean, I I like to come back to and, and rewatch sometime. Um, I think it's it's a great movie for the Wendigo legend, mm-hmm. um, and it's a great movie about America. Agreed. Okay, so, so. that wraps up the nineties. Put yeah. away
0: your parachute pants. <laughs> um,
1: and now, um, let's. Let's talk about, uh, the knots. The the Can we please uh, keep calling it that? It's what they're called. I know. I, 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 I prefer that to, uh, yeah, the two thousands. It's like, yeah. well, yeah. yeah, I like, I like saying like, aught five, aught seven. Yeah. <laughs> um, the aughts. Have I been saying knots? Aughts. Aughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the early oddies. Yeah, well, maybe maybe not call it that.
0: <laughs>
1: well, that's what we're doing—the early oddies. Uh, we're still gonna take it decade by decade, but we're just into a new millennium. Yes. Um, we survived Y two K, and
0: why was there was there ever a, like a horror movie about that? There had to have been. I mean, other than those, there was those series of like apocalypse movies. In the early 2000s, floods and earthquakes, and yeah. like day after tomorrow, yeah. like those kind of things. Um, what's but the there's they're even they're like old 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 a 2012 yeah, okay, it's the other
1: one, but anyway, we're yeah, not watching it, those, we're not, not we're watching, watching those. We're watching two ghost movies from the early aughts, um, 13 Ghosts and the Others. Yep. So you can
0: check out uh, more episodes at unoyasolstice.com, E-U-N-O-I-A-S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E, and follow us at the underscore terror
1: underscore test. Pencils down. The terror test is over.